You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. You know, I think that you wear um, that cap just for me. <laughs> do you love it? Well, do you know that uh, Moan is poppy in German? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice. I got this in Whitefish. You did? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Also, my gray Which, is growing out. Oh, I, I think <laughs> you just need to embrace that. I'm not ready yet. Not ready yet. Okay. I'm not ready yet. So it's easy for me to say that because like it's you're blonde. So, yeah, I'm blonde. So. And and I've been gray since I was 20 in my 20s. Okay. So it's not like, oh, this is something new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of whitefish, okay. Have you been following yeah. the fundraiser? I yes. I am so interested to see Sam Boardman's hair. <laughs> I only want Lloyd Christmas. I was like, okay, the so Tiger King is too, the Tiger King is too predictable. Like that's yeah. yeah. If people don't know what's going on, Jess Sarah, who we love, her husband and her run the last bus ride, and they've been doing a fundraiser. It'll be too late by the time this comes out. But Sam has this long, beautiful hair. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't cut it since COVID. And it's like more beautiful than any woman's hair. It's beautiful hair. It's so yeah. beautiful. And he's going to cut it as a fundraiser. And they, I just looked, they've raised $8,000. Like, and if you put, you put money in, you get to choose the haircut. And so it's like Tiger King or. Like, Don Stamos, yeah. uh, Eminem, Lloyd Christmas and Tiger King. I was like, can I just pay to keep it? <laughs> can I vote to keep it? My guess is he's ready to get his haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might as well turn it into something more, right? Yeah. So that's, it's but pretty kick when you have long hair and you're like, I'm ready for a cut, you're ready for a cut yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. But like I said, like the John Stamos, that, that's kind of already the, the look he's got right now, you know, the M&M that's just too blah. That's just like shaving it all off. The Tiger King is totally predictable because that's what all those guys are doing right now. Anyway, basically is that ridiculous mullet unless he dyes it, which I don't think that was on the, I don't think that was on the, yeah, I think they're doing it at the fundraiser tonight. But the, but the Lloyd Christmas, that's a bad haircut. <laughs> like I'm, it can make a beautiful human look hideous because that Lloyd Christmas haircut is so bad. I think the thing is, is when you're a guy and you get a bad haircut, like it's a few weeks to fix it, right? Like mm-hmm. you can grow it. And when you're a girl and you get a bad, like if you're like, I made a real bad mistake about cutting all my hair off. It's going to be <laughs> that's a, <minute>. a long. <laughs> very long. Oh no. I think, I think, I think any bad haircuts only two weeks long. I think you can do almost anything with like my pictures from the cuts that my mom gave me when I was a kid. Well, I I mean, that's different. That's not a, that's not a good cut to begin with. It's like, I guess that's, that's what you're talking about. Bad haircuts. So anyway. Yeah. Especially if you're a girl and you have long hair and you go to like a very short style. Yeah. Yeah. This is not the right style for me. Like it's a long process. Yeah. I had the one where I went to get it cut really short and I don't know what the guy was thinking, but it literally was like this mushroom haircut (laughs) that he gave me. And I couldn't decide if 
at that point, I was like, do I go in and get it cut shorter, which is what I wanted? Or is it just really going to be ugly short and I need to just leave it this long because then at least I'm growing it out from here and not super short. So I debated that for like two weeks and then finally went in and got it cut shorter. I was like, this is a bad haircut. Like, yeah, look like wow. a mushroom. So anyway, how are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. good. Um, okay. Our podcast guest is here. To, oh, good. So we should just roll into it. Don't you think? Yeah, let's just do it. I love it. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials, and they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight. Uh, and their Echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. Well, here we are. Here we are. Our guest is here. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we weren't going to tell anybody that we had some scheduling problems, Bella. <laughs> I already admitted to it at Unbound, <laughs> the, the card signing. Yeah. Okay, it all works. So we have Bella Heiser with us today. We've been actually trying to get her for a while, but we, have, listen, I'm the worst at time zones, so I totally mm. understand this. Um, before we had like just the automated calendar thing, I would screw it up all the time. Um, so, uh, Bella Heiser, you are part of the Grand Prix and you are mm -hmm. not the youngest writer, but the second youngest writer in the Grand Prix. Is second that youngest, second youngest by 11 days. Oh, um, wow. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> and you're 19. I am. Yeah. 19 so youngest years. in the female category. You can even awesome. enjoy the post-ride beers. No. <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm riding for a beer. And you're like, great, I'll have a Coke. Yeah. But it was funny at Unbound, we went to like the happy hour thing and they had like a non-alcoholic beer. And I was like walking around with one and I got some funny looks. And I was like, no, I promise. Like, I'm not drinking. <laughs> yeah. That best day brewing is good too. Um, okay. Well, we love just to start. Tell us your story how did you get on a bike yeah it's kind of a long story but like my dad always rode um they started out in Seattle he not even he rode when he was younger rode bikes a lot and so bikes have always just been a big thing for him and then out in Seattle him and my mom started mountain biking he did the typical boyfriend thing where you take a girlfriend down a trail that she never wants to mountain bike again. So <laughs> the family didn't start mountain biking until I was about seven-ish. We always just kind of would go out for small loops. And then my dad introduced me to UCI cross-country mountain bike racing on Red Bull TV. And we would religiously watch that every weekend, downhill, cross-country, all of it. And like we eventually started going out for longer rides. He would do like the Rob Warner voice behind me, like narrating my riding. <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> so that got me fired up and just like watching racing. And I finally did my first race. It was like muddy and rainy and awful. And I loved it. And I was like, this is it. So, yeah. And then we moved from New Hampshire to Alabama when I was 13. And I got immediately into NICA. We moved to Alabama into our new house on a Tuesday. And we went to our first NICA practice on a Thursday. And then the next weekend I did my first race. So, yeah. I love that your dad was so, so much a part of that and like encouraging yeah. you. And it's been one of my favorite things, I think this year, like seeing at like even Unbound and um, the Grand Prix. And I know it's very prominent in NICA, just the girl dads out there, mm-hmm. like oh, supporting yeah. and cheering. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then how did you end up like racing the Grand Prix? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So during 2020, um like everything was shut down so I just kind of like made it a goal to start doing 200 mile weeks every week and I started doing some century rides and eventually I did my first endurance race at the end of that year 60 mile mountain bike race and I was kind of hooked on the endurance stuff but I went back to cross-country racing for another two years and at the end of my first U23 season I was just kind of bummed and like I didn't do as well as I wanted to because it's really hard you're you're thrown in with like Kate Corney, Gwendolyn Gibson all of these like Haley Smith they're just crushing you and it's just hard to kind of be stoked on racing when you're not you know getting even points sometimes Mm -hmm. and so I did I did fool's gold again the 60 mile race and I did uh the BWR in Asheville and I was just like I'm so much happier doing these races So when the Grand Prix applications came back out for the second year, I was like, I'm just going to send one in. I'd sent one in the previous year too. I was like, I'm just going to send one in. I have some more endurance under my belt and just see. And I actually didn't even know I got in. Everyone else knew before me. I was like out riding and I got a text from a friend and then I finally got service and like my phone exploded. Everyone was calling me like, you got in. I was like, I got in. (laughs) So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you ready for uh, Leadville? A little bit. Um, I definitely have had some struggles after Unbound. Just like I kind of dug myself into a really deep hole, got some mineral imbalance and then just like mental health stuff, getting stoked on bikes again. It's mm. it's a long season. And I've these are races that people have like as bucket lists for years. And I'm just doing them all in one year. So it's been a lot to keep my head wrapped around being stoked on training and riding. So, yeah. I can imagine like that would be like everybody coming into this. That's not doing all of them is like in a different mm-hmm. headspace than like knowing mm-hmm. this is just one of seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw on your Instagram, you were having some, was it iron deficiencies that you were having? Yes. Or- so I was out riding and I like felt like I was going to pass out. So I started taking iron supplements because I thought I was getting anemic, which makes sense. Like all the, all the symptoms, you know, WebMD freak out kind of lined up. <laughs> and so I started taking iron, um, but I only took it for about four days. And then I got some blood work done and it turns out that I am like really high in iron. Like the content oh. in my blood was too high to the point where long story short, like the, ex- the scientific explanation was like, you're basically getting like rust in your body because you're, you like don't have like copper or whatever 
And so you have to balance it back out. And it was just this whole ordeal and we're recovering from that. How, how do you treat that? Yeah. So I donated blood to kind of get some of the iron out because it like gets stuck in your tissues instead of in your cells where it's supposed to be. Um, so I donated blood and then I've been taking beef liver supplements, uh, copper, eating dark chocolate, cashews, just anything that's really high in copper. Yeah. I have to eat dark chocolate today. I have to. I'm sorry. (laughs) Dang it. That maybe, maybe I should start taking more iron. Yeah. (laughs) It's usually the other way around for women, right? Especially when you're training at high levels. It is. Yeah. So that was interesting. It's my uncle's a doctor and he wants me to go get tested again to see if there's a there's like hemo something big scientific word for it that I can't think of right now where you're just genetically duh, predisposed to have too much iron in your system. Mm. So you have to kind of combat that. Um, my friend Carson Beckett has kind of the same thing. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That would be a tough, like double whammy with some mental health and then that's like, and it's not an easy fix type thing, right? Where it's like, not just yeah. take some supplements and you'll get better. Yeah, this was definitely like that. And then it triggered the mental health kind of thing. I deal with anxiety and this just kind of like shot it way up. That wouldn't cause anybody anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Do you have some strategies that help you deal with the anxiety of the mental health piece? Yeah. Um, I'm a Christian. So just reading my Bible a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I talking with friends, I spent an hour and a half on the phone with my friend Ame out in Durango. We didn't even like talk the whole time. I'd say probably 30 minutes. We were just sitting there enjoying just like being on the phone with each other. So yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think friends that you can talk to without talking to are the best. Yeah. It was funny. Cause she was like, she was like painting her room and I was like on a walk and I was just like, I just saw a butterfly and she's like, that's cool. And then it was like silence for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it, I mean, it is, it's just such a long season. And if you haven't ever, you, like you're so new to racing this kind of stuff too, mm-hmm. like that would be just a really hard thing. Um, even like a lot of the season vets last year, one of the things we heard from them was like learning how to pace their season and, mm-hmm. um, kind of stay motivated and the mental health around every month constantly performing. Um, yeah. it's a big challenge. Yeah. I was talking to my coach about it and it's just like the distance between the races is so much greater than what I'm used to. Cause you know, uh. during a typical cross country season, you train, train, train all winter, and then you hit like last year it was February we raced Puerto Rico and then from then it was like two races a month until nationals in July and then you did nationals and you were done Mm -hmm. and I just was at nationals I skipped crusher to be there with friends and stuff and everyone was like we're done time to party like we finished the season and I was like oh my gosh my last race is October 21st (laughs) yeah that's a little bit yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's like a really challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked you about this a little bit um, at uh, the Unbound Expo. Mm-hmm. Then you all had some fans coming up, but I'd love to unpack a little more like, um, you know, there are a lot of very seasoned vets 
mm-hmm. women racing in the series. And what's that been like to be able to be around some people that are much further in their careers um, and just learn from them or get tips or all those things? It's, it's something really unique. And I don't feel like a lot of other sports are, are like that, like yeah. to be able to call on somebody. Like I, I talk to Rose Grant a lot. She doesn't race anymore, but just to be able to see someone like Sophia or Sarah Sturm or, you know, Hannah Shell walk by and be able to just walk up and be like, how are you? Let's chat. We love bikes. Like it's, it's just something really special because they've been where I am before and I'm aspiring to be where they are. And so we, we just kind of bounce ideas off each other and talk and it's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. somebody like Rose where there were so many fewer resources and she probably would have mm-hmm. loved to have something like a NICA program when she was young. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They're always telling me like, I'm so jealous you got NICA. And I'm like, I like, can't comprehend not having NICA. It must be, it must have been so hard. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like the, that it's, well, I mean, you're seeing it. Sorry. I'm totally like just finished watching a world cup game this morning and talking <laughs> about the depth of fields across the nations, you know, watching, yeah. you know, Italy out and like all, you know, Argentina out and all these teams because beaten by teams that you would have never thought. And this, I think you just see more and more what program for girls developing that mm-hmm. give more opportunities. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that my team is working on too, uh, dirt camp racing. We try and make sure the girls are having a good time because if the girls are having a good time, then it's generally awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last two years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on, and it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, You've also heard about their great protein powder, but I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year. And and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. What took you to, to Brevard? You said you were living in Brevard now. Yeah. So I came up here to tour the college. And then I just kind of decided that I wasn't ready to jump into college quite yet. But I really love the area. There's so much mountain biking. You can get up to like 6,000 feet up on the parkway, Blue Ridge Parkway. And uh, there's a lot of really fast people that live here, all the college kids. And it wasn't too far from home either, which I'm a big family person. So I didn't want to like go to Colorado and be thousands of miles from home when I could just be up here enjoying the same kind of lifestyle, but still closest yeah. to home. Yeah. 
And there's some really technical mountain biking up in that area. Like people don't oh, realize yeah. you get up into the uh, Pisco National Forest. And it's like mm-hmm. some very tough stuff. And some good gravel. That Have you ever done any of the Southeast Gravel Series? Yeah, I did one right before... Was it right before Sea Otter that I did it? It was the race to Valhalla in Valhalla, South Carolina. And yeah. that was gnarly. It was. Yeah. And yeah. they do a really good job with their series, right? Like, yeah, a really fun vibe, good after party. Um, oh, yeah. And I think it's probably one of the stronger series in the Southeast that's happening. Yeah, for sure. That and Mountain Good Adventures, they do a really good time with their stuff. We were camping after one of their races one time and the race director came down with like box full of Moe's burritos that they hadn't eaten that day. And was like, does anyone want these? And we're like, yeah, we want burritos. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yes, we'll please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, of the races that are left in the season, what, which ones are you the most excited about? If you could get excited about any at this point. Yeah. That's, that's been kind of tricky recently, just like getting excited. Cause there's, I've already done so much racing in this season, but I'm definitely really excited for Schwalm again. I've already done it. So I kind of know what to expect where these other ones I haven't done before. So I'm kind of just like, it is what it is. It'll be what it is. But Schwalm again, like I know the course and like how it is and the pace. And so I'm excited for that one. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's a mountain bike. It's your, it's your home. Yeah. It's my happy place. Yeah. Although the, gravel course at big sugar is pretty gnarly so yeah it'll it'll favor a mountain biker as well yeah have have you ridden in bentonville before oh yeah yeah lots uh we do the pro cup in fayetteville the xc course course. and then i've done the oz epic before that was the most bonked i've ever been in a race was (laughs) at the oz epic so i'm a little nervous because i'm doing the 100k mountain bike race the weekend before the little sugar one um yeah (laughs) go on so yeah, that's you just digging your own hole Sorry, Bella. <laughs> I know I know but it's my birthday week so I'm gonna just go for it celebrate love it and yeah when yeah. you're 19 your ability to recover is so much it's greater so yeah. much greater why did I not appreciate that damn it <laughs> do that shit while you're young <laughs> like the thought of doing that now I'd be like yeah no I'd be in bed for like a month after all that <laughs> so. <laughs> I used to just not even think about it. That's craziness. (laughs) Yeah. So did you coach or do you, um, like, do you do other stuff outside of racing? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I work at a restaurant on the weekends and then I try my best to like get in touch with all of the younger dirt camp girls. There's one that lives here in Brevard that I try and ride with as much as possible. Um, but like, I enjoy talking to the younger kids and just like it helps me kind of detach my anxiety from racing and focus on helping them out of their own worries. So that helps me a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, I've asked, I asked Anna Yamauchi this, she's, you know, a few years older than you, mm-hmm. but because Christine and I, you know, like we're on the other side, like a little further along. We could be your mom. <laughs> we could be your mom. <laughs> um, and, but I'm curious, like when you look at the landscape of women's sports and specifically cycling, like mm-hmm. 
what is, what do you think? What's your hope for the future? Like, are you feeling positive? Do you feel like we have a long way to go still? Like it's, it's definitely, it's definitely more healthy than it's ever been before. I feel like, uh, especially with like podcasts like this and Instagram being able to just like, I DM with Anna all the time. Like I'll like respond to her story. Cause I think she's super cool. Like surfing and all that. That's totally badass. But just being able to like build each other up and like to talk through things like I was able to talk with Rose this morning. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going in the right direction for sure. It's just um, it's hard. It can be intimidating sometimes to show up to a group ride and be the only female and, you know, invite other females to come. And then it's only two of us. But as we invite more people and you know, we're more open and inviting. It's, it's just going to keep growing and and get even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that that is still like women still feel intimidated a lot of times showing up for the group rides, Mm -hmm. the co-ed group rides and, um, and just not feeling like the space makes sense for them. Are they going to be dropped Mm -hmm. or, you know, what are are the conversations going to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me because I've always, always been on group rides where it's just me and I've just kind of grown used to that. Um, so just, I'm trying to think of the like right way to say this, but like inviting other women and like letting them know that like, it's a safe space. Like I've got you, like if they drop you, I'll be here. And, and just like being there for each other is really important. Yeah. It's interesting to me that the same things that when I first started cycling, I'm feeling intimidated. They're still like, we've come so far. And also people still feel the same way of like feeling like they have spaces. Yeah. I mean, I think, do you think that's just because we keep bringing in new people? And so therefore it's re-education on the kind of the space. I don't know. Like maybe I'm just looking for reasons to think that we are progressing. I think we are. It's just yeah. if Bella's showing up for a group ride and it's like her. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that, you know, that's still the same stuff that was happening where it's just like a couple no, of No, you I think it's I just don't think the battle, I think it's just it's just an uphill battle and you just have to keep doing it. You just it's like rinse and repeat. Um we have to do it across the board and making sure that the women's coverage is there. Like you can't ever not say, you can't ever just assume it's going to happen just because we were doing better Yeah, because it, it's, it still takes the same amount of work. It's just, maybe it's a little bit easier to encourage other women to come because they can see it more readily, mm-hmm. but I still think you're having to invite and ask and make space and encourage and like all of those things. Cause it's just naturally not, it's not necessarily a woman's space yet. So yeah. Um, yeah, the coexisting part is the difficult part. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Do you see a difference, Bella, in like being at like mountain bike events, pure mountain, you know, where you're racing on that circuit, as opposed to coming to the lifetime? And I know there's a lot, like they're really focusing on trying media coverage and trying to give the elite racers, both men and women, a platform. Like, is there a difference there, or mountain bikes? you know, mountain bike does have some big stars like Kate Courtney who do pull a big media platform. So I'm just curious. Like a difference between like the XCO scene versus the lifetime scene. Yeah. As far as like women getting 
space and coverage and yeah I think I think they do a good job keeping it equal um it is hard in the XCO scene because once you hit the U23 the under 23 age group like I think the field like gets cut in half a lot of people just get discouraged and it's you're racing you don't have a separate U23 category like they just even started doing it for the men and they we didn't get it for the women at um Arkansas they scored us separately but we still had to deal with that hard initial start where Kate Courtney and all these fast women are just dropping you and then you're mixed in with all the other pros and you don't really know exactly where you are in the race so it's it's going to be hard until like I think U23 women get to do their entire own race all the time because sometimes it's up in the air race directors are like do you want to get do you want to race do you not want to race it happened to my friend recently where they're like we can we can score you separately but you still have to start with the pro women um and stars can just be so mentally defeating because if you, you go off and you're like not feeling great and you're mixed in with all these other people you're just like it's confusing yeah, you just feel like, oh, yeah. I just got dropped by everybody where it's like, actually, people in my age category, I'm probably racing right right around. Yeah. Be ahead of. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen a lot um, with some of the stuff around the, the women's tour and how important those uh, youth categorizations are, like the U- mm-hmm. U23, I think it's U25 they race there. But, but just for the future development of sport and like bringing up the next generation mm-hmm. riders of creating some of those, some of those things, right. Where you just don't feel defeated from the get go, or you feel like you have a right. space where you get to develop, especially for women. Right. Because we know women have a space when they, with their, with their hormones with everything that's going on mm-hmm. where they actually often slow down a little bit in that phase until they get into their twenties where your hormones level out and everything starts to kind of normalize and then you start to get faster mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and so um, having those spaces for development and to keep women engaged there does it does make sense that that's really important yeah yeah I don't feel like it's it's talked about enough how hard the under 23 category can be to go into because I was racing the 17 18 category and I think I was consistently finishing like sixth or seventh like enough to be like oh I want that podium or like I think I could maybe win this one to go straight into you just finished 25th and like you have to learn how to be stoked with that but it's really hard sometimes when you're used to finishing in the top 10 where and then you're thrown into like top 30 that's that's challenging that's mentally tough yeah when you're when you're used to a certain level when then you get thrown into like a much faster group well, it sounds like maybe some, a piece that's also missing is like the mental side of things, the psychological side, right? Cause like, there's so many things yeah. like, that need to develop in that time in your life mm-hmm. um, that are really hard to do when you're in that pressure cooker environment without somebody kind of coming in beside you, not, not necessarily, different, but right. For just in general, that would help yeah. um, this development of cycling. If we really paid attention to people's mental health in that space. Well, across the board, but in that space in particular. Yeah, I, I feel like there's definitely, like you said, a difference between the Lifetime Series versus like XCO, uh, Pro Cup racing, UCI stuff is like, um, 
everyone's so competitive that sometimes we don't take a second and like care about each other or I feel like in the Grand Prix it's like everyone really cares about each other obviously we want to tear each other's legs off and like win but like at the end of the day everyone does a really good job like when I finished Unbound like Hannah Otto reached out to me and she's like I'm so proud of you good job like that takes a lot where like in XCO I don't think that would happen um so everyone just really cares about each other in endurance racing and that's really important to me wow well I think that's how we should just be as a community as a whole yes (laughs) maybe yeah maybe we should just be like that in our lives yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean I know that's a tall order but yeah anyway yeah yeah well well, do you have anything before, well, Leadville's next weekend. That's a dumb question. I was like, do you have anything before Leadville? <laughs> um, when are you heading up there? Are you going to try to do the altitude acclimation at all? Or are you just going to go in? Um... <laughs> yeah, with my budget this year, it was a little tricky to do altitude acclimation. So um, test it out an altitude tent. It didn't really work. Um, but, you know, I put some time in in that. And then I'm just going to go to Denver two days before and then we're going to just go up there and do the race and come right back down yeah I mean that's what you got to do right you either go earlier yeah so yeah well I'm sure it will be a very fun environment and vibe and this podcast will come out you'll be racing um (laughs) right after this podcast comes out so people can follow your Instagram and give you some uh cheers from afar yeah Um, and speaking of how can people follow you um, my main source is Instagram. Um, Bella Heiser 17 is my Instagram. And then I do fun stuff on TikTok. I don't do a lot of bikes, but I, I put out like, I don't know, I try and do different content on there. So like lifestyle hiking, I'm sponsored by Blundstone. So I post a lot about that on there. Um, I think you're the first person ever that's told us your TikTok account. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 That's and I'm also really jealous that you're sponsored by Blundstone. <laughs> yeah, that was actually really crazy. I just, I was tagging them in every photo and I was just like, that'd be so funny if I got sponsored. And so I like texted them on Instagram as a joke. I was like, hey, what if we did like a collab? And they're like, we'll send you a free pair of boots. And I was like, no way. So we did like a post exchange on TikTok for a free pair of boots. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, good luck at Leadville. Thank we you. can't wait to see you uh, finish out this season. And thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I hope I didn't ramble on too much. <laughs> you have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast and be sure to follow us at girls gone gravel on Instagram or Facebook.